welcome to another episode of A Woman's Success. Our guest is a single mom, twice divorced, with two teenage boys, and she's here to share her story with us. I want to welcome Linda. Um, thank you for being here. It's great speaking with you again. And I'm glad to have you on our podcast. I would like for you to tell the audience a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your history, your past, and your present. Well, I'm a single mother of two. They're now 14 and 15. Um, as far as myself, I was raised in the Bahamas. Nassau, Bahamas, um, came back to the States when I was about 18 to take care of my father, who was a quadriplegian. Um, I took care of him for many years, um, was married twice, uh, divorced. Um, I'm in the medical field, and now I currently reside in Texas with my two boys. Oh, great. Okay. And how are you liking your move now from New Jersey to Texas? Um, it's been a year as of October 8th. Um, I like it. It has its moments. Um, my kids ain't liking it that much. They miss in New Jersey. They're trying to convince me every way they can. Um, but as far as the lifestyle and the atmosphere, I'm enjoying it. I think it's a, it was a good move for, for me at the time. Okay. Okay. So with that being said, um, we know that you're divorced, you're a single mother, and you have two boys. Yes. Tell us a little bit about how difficult it was when you first went through your divorce. Now, and you said you've been divorced twice. So you want to give us a little bit of history about the first divorce, um, the second and the second marriage and the second divorce. Okay. Um, the first one, I got married not too long after moving to New Jersey from the Bahamas. So I was about maybe 19. So I was young. Um, it lasted about four years. Um, but within that four years time, I started experiencing um, abuse, not physical, but like mental and the cheating. Um, no kids were involved. I didn't have any kids um, with this gentleman. He did have a one daughter. So I was in her life from about nine months old till about four years old. Um, finally, I just had enough of the cheating. Um, so I filed for divorce. Uh, to this day, we're better friends than we were in our marriage. Um, Within the divorce process, though, I was introduced to my kid's father. Um, we became friends, dated for a while, and then eventually I got married to him. Um, and right after I got married to him is when I had my two sons. Um, within that marriage, I had some abuse mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, um, any type of form of divorce you can name, I probably experienced it. Um, so the divorce with that one, I filed for divorce as well. Um, after I've had enough and had enough of my kids, you know, seeing a little bit of it, I, I finally called it quits. So 
How long were you in, in that marriage? Not long at all. We, we dated for a few years, but we was married. Um, we got married in November and by January we were separated. Um, but then I was, I found out I was pregnant with my second son. So I went through that pregnancy by myself, but you know, in the state of New Jersey, you have to be separated for 18 months before the divorce can be final. So as far as like legally married, we were legally married about two years, but we had separated within the first few months of our, our wedding. So in the process of trying to deal with your first divorce and, and, and handling that and all the emotions, mental, um, you know, stuff spiritual that goes on with that, you, you got involved with someone else later on getting married and having the children, then having to end up with another divorce. How did that affect you uh, mentally going through a second divorce and now having two kids to have to deal with that, uh, being a single mother uh, on your own? Um, it, it affected me tremendously um, because, you know, at when I was going through my first divorce and when I met my kid's father at the time, you know, he showed his advocate, you know, was there for me and promised not to do those same things I was going through. And, you know, he, you know, took, he put a bandaid on the feelings that I was experiencing going through the first divorce. Um, and at the same time, trying to juggle all this and take care of my, be there for my father, you know, physically and, financially, you know, but I was missing work. I had to keep switching jobs. Um, so mentally it started to wear on me. And then once I got married to this gentleman, you know, once I said I do on the very same day is when the abuse started. So during the dating period, it was like honeymoon, you know, I didn't see any of it. It was, you know, it, it was, I thought, you know, he was the one, but the same day of our wedding is when the, you know, I started seeing the abuse. Um, so that just, but, but I then already had one child because I had my first child a month before our wedding. Um, so I had one child and then I heard about the cheating and the other women and other kids that was being brought into the, the circle. And so mentally it, it wore on me. Um, and eventually I had to seek counseling, so. So, um, and I'll get to that counseling because that was gonna be my next question, but before that, you saw no signs, you had no idea that this individual that you were dating and about to be married to, had, there was nothing that showed you that you should be aware, no red flags that, that, that came out, that made you stop to say, hmm, you know, what was that or nothing? Well, when you're just came out of a, a, a marriage, a non-successful re uh, relationship, you try to look for the better in the next one because you don't want to be a failure in the second one. So there might have been some red flags. I didn't pick up on it. Um, I know my father, when God rest his soul, he was telling me he's not a real good fit for me. Um, but I just thought that nobody's good for daddy's little girl. Um, a couple other people, outsiders, said that we were opposite, but 
you know, the saying opposites attract. So, um, and then also I worked two jobs at the time and went to school and was taking okay. care of my father. Wow. And okay. also I would go over to his house where he still stayed with his mom and her boyfriend and help to take care of them because at the time they were alcoholics. Okay. So I would make sure that they eat and make sure they were okay while he were, was out. You know, I would let him go out and enjoy himself because I felt I'm the type where I'm, I'm the caretaker kind of like, I make sure everybody's okay. So between his house and my house, that's what I was focused on and my jobs in school. So when I did see him, everything was good. You know, we didn't have those problems. Um, Right before we got married, I must say, I did hear of infidelity. Um, but when I brought it to his attention, of course, he denied it and said it was just somebody that wanted to be with him and this and that, but it was nothing. I believed him and went through with the marriage because I had already had a child and I had already said when I have children, I wanted to be married. Right. So I went on through with the, the marriage. Um, and then after we got married is when I found out that it was true. And so we, he had three girls, um, on our marriage. So during the marriage, the short span of marriage that it was, he had three other children with the same woman. period of time. Yes. And, uh, okay. And so with this, 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 this woman that he was seeing, he was seeing this person along around the same time that he was seeing you. You weren't aware of it, but he was he was in a relationship separate yes. from yours with this individual. So yes. while you had your boys, that she also had three girls? children. children. Yes. Okay. Yes. So So they're stepping stone. So how did you then find out about or when did you find out about this other woman and her children? Well, when, I mean, I've heard about her. Um, and of course I just kept believing what he was saying, but then I, I, when I went to the home that we were living, sharing, which is his mother's home at the time, she was there. And when I confronted her, she at the time said she was there for his brother. So she didn't admit to anything. Um, but then we had an event, and that's when um, she informed me that she was pregnant with my husband. Um, so that's how it was brought to me. Um, so and I think every. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you're you're at a you're, you're at an event. I mean, we're at an event that you, we were throwing that me and him was put had put together and was throwing and she showed up and I mean I heard him telling you know all his friends don't allow her to come into the event somehow someone still allowed her to come in and she was pregnant and she announced it so but I think his friends everyone already knew I just didn't know so of course you know <clears throat> I flew off the handle and wanted to ready attack but at the same time she was pregnant so that didn't happen. Um, and then we discussed, and I, he said he was sorry, blah, blah, blah. Um, it wouldn't happen again. I told him, just take care of the child, you know, and we were going to work on our marriage. I thought that's what we were doing, but he still was seeing her behind my back. So when I found out I was pregnant with my second son for him, I found out she was pregnant as well. Um, so I had my second one, then 
few, whatever later, she had her second one. And before the divorce papers was final, she had a third one. Okay. So with all of that being said, obviously the, the, the counseling um, became a big part in helping you through this mentally. So how did the counseling, the therapy, how did this help you through and how long did you have to do the therapy in order to get past that? Um. Well, I didn't start the therapy till after the divorce. Um, I moved back home with my father. And of course, my dad stayed in my ear about you, you're worthy and you don't need that. And, you know, it was just an experience. So, you know, move on. He always stayed in my ear. He didn't think I needed any medication or any therapy. You know, he just just kept drilling in my ear. Um, I tried to go without. Then the first thing of therapy was the medication. I was taking, started taking that, um, you know, anxiety meds and all that stuff. And my dad got in my ear about that. You don't need no medicine. So I stopped that. So then I start. I found this um, women's group um, in New Jersey uh, that I started going to. At first, you know, I would just sit there and listen. I couldn't open up because I felt ashamed. I felt embarrassed. Um, even though there were other women telling their stories about what they've been through, I been through a lot, like phys more physically, a lot physically, um, mentally, spiritually, because he, he, he doesn't know where he is spiritually. So he's weighing the fence between two religions. So um, once he started doing that, I should have ran for cover. But um, I started going there. It took a couple of weeks for me to finally open up and tell my story. Um, then I was able to start writing poems. Um, whenever I felt down at home, I would just pull out a pen and a paper and just write some poems, which I still have to this day, um, write down how I feel at that time. So that helped me get through it. Um, and I think I did counseling for about, I think I had to go for about two months. Okay. For about two months um, on the, in the evenings, I would go. How? Like three nights, three nights out of the week, maybe okay. for about two months. Mm -hmm. um, and then finally, I felt like I was strong enough and I didn't date or get involved with anyone for a while after that. I had to work for myself. So a uh, single mom now with two young boys. Teenage boys, yes. And uh, but uh, back then they were still little, and you were you were helping your your dad at the time. They were two and how three. The financial the financial impact on you. How huh? was that? Uh, trying to hold down a mortgage because my father again was paralyzed, so he wasn't working. So to try to hold down a whole household bills and a two and a three year old at the time. It was hard, but I was determined because I was determined not to put my dad in a home and I was determined to make sure my kids had what they needed. So I worked a full-time job. I had to stop going to nursing school. Um, I got a part-time job and also I was cleaning houses and cutting grass on the side as well. So I would load some, my lawnmower in my trunk on the Saturdays and go out and cut people grass and I couldn't afford a babysitter. And so my dad was my babysitter. Even though they were young, I would put them in the playpen, put a cartoon or something on, 
give them a snack, and I would be gone for an hour, come back, check on everybody, go back again like that. And that's how I clean houses on the weekends and um, cut grass. During the week, they went to daycare because BCAP in New Jersey helped me with that. So, but on the weekends, they, they didn't help. So, wow, that but was, it, it was tough. That was some determination. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I had to do what I had to do. I couldn't, I couldn't fail. You know, I didn't get any financial help with him. Um, I did take him to court for child support. Um, and, and they awarded me with the divorce, $45 a week. $45 for two. a week for two children. And that was in 2008. This is 2020. And that still stands $45 wow. a week for two kids. But have I received it? Not, nope, I might receive $5, $10, $20. So I'm at the point where I don't even check the card anymore. Right. Wow. So I just do what I have to do for my kids. Wow. So with all of that and those difficulties and helping your dad, you obviously didn't have any co-parenting with um, your ex no, not at all, because I can remember clearly one day where my, you know, my dad developed uh, stage four liver cancer and uh, colon cancer on top of being paralyzed. So I, ha I was about to have a nervous breakdown. And I think the kids at that time was about maybe I would say six or seven or seven or eight at that time. Um, I drove them to their father and asked them, could you keep them for a day? I'm about to have a nervous breakdown. And I just dropped him off, and I started walking back to my car. By the time I got back to my car, he was already behind me with dragging both of them, opened up my back seat, threw him in the back seat, and said, you deal with them. And from wow. that day forward, I said, you know what? I would not ask him for another thing. He doesn't have to worry about these boys. They are going to be good men. And with the help of my dad, uh, they are good men. They're not in the streets. They, you know, they're doing very well. Awesome. So, awesome. So, uh, join the process. I, I know where they are now, and you can give us a little bit about that, but how did it affect them coming through that time period in their lives to where they are now? How, how were they affected by that? It affected them um, where my oldest, he doesn't talk that much. He shuts down. He stays to himself. Um, and they're very protective over me. So any male at all, it could be the mailman. If he comes too close, they're like coming to my side for a bodyguard, you know? <laughs> so um, I didn't let them experience too much of the physical abuse. I got out in time, but the emotional, the crying, um, the verbal abuse, they did, you know, witness a little bit of that. So they're very protective over me. Um, they, I had to put them in counseling, um, but of course, they don't talk. They just shut down. At one point, they didn't even want to have anything to say or do with him, but I still tried to encourage them that it's still your father. You know, whatever happened between me and him is adult business. It's still your father. Respect them. Um, you don't have to really, like, reach out to him because that's his duty, uh, but if he do, just be respectful about it. So I, I still try to encourage that. Um, up until January of last year is when he finally reached out and found out that we were already in Texas. Um, since then, I must say, um, well, 
not since then because he still disappeared months later, but in June, I believe of this year is when he lost his brother. Um, he finally realized, you know, so since the June of this year, he'll start calling the boys a little more um, and checking in on them. Um, still not paying child support to help me financially with them. But if he promised them something, I get on him to make sure he keeps that promise. So like their birthdays just passed in October. He promised the youngest, whose birthday's first, that he was sending him something. Right. He didn't send it. I was on that phone and I, you know, what what are you doing? So he finally sent it. And the same thing with the oldest. He promised him something, didn't do it. I told him this is not building a relationship because they're at the age now where they don't have to deal with you. Right. Um, you know, so he started to, he's starting to pick up now, but like I said, they're 14 and 15 years mm -hmm. old. He missed a lot of years, you know, football games, basketball games, cook-offs, mm -hmm. you know, things that the boys went through. He missed a lot of that. Are they open to him now reaching out to them? How are they, how are they accepting that? They're open, but they don't hold their breath. Um, if he does, he does. If he don't, they don't. Um, they're to the point where they don't care anymore. They know they have a dad. They know of their dad. They know where he is. They know how to reach out to him. But if I don't say, you know, did you check on your dad? You know, especially since he lost his brother, his youngest brother recently, you know, they might text him, hey, dad, or whatever. But they to the point where he hasn't been around. It's been just me. So, you know, but I just tell him to respect them. Right. I try to teach my boys to always still respect no matter what, because it's still your father. And spiritually, you're still supposed to honor your mother and your father. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So do you think um, having more therapy for them, uh, obviously the therapy seemed to have helped you greatly, um, but they're still a little bit withdrawn mm -hmm. and so forth. Do you think that they would be open now that they're a little bit older to more? um therapy or or not i keep introducing it to them and especially since my father passed away now four years ago um mm -hmm. that my youngest my oldest really like he's starting to come out of his shell a little bit but i don't force him um but i was always mention it throw it out there family counseling or you know therapy for them but they're at the age they don't feel they need it. Um, so I try to keep an open door policy for me, you know, to come talk to me if something's wrong or whatever. And, um, but no, they, they don't want to do therapy anymore. So we have our therapy sessions. Like, you know, sometimes I'll say, you know, family meeting at the table by six or whatever, be at the family table. If you don't, then there's a consequence. And we'll sit around. I'll ask them about school. I'll ask them. About that, we start talking about the birds and bees now that they up in age. Even though that's that's hard yeah. for me. Yes, <laughs> that's, that's really that, hard for me. I can imagine. Yes. Oh goodness, because to me they're still my babies, and they be mm -hmm. like, "Mom, we're teenagers now." But we have our own family little things, and then when I I tell them when you're when you feel like you're ready to open up for something that's holding you're holding inside, you know, whether it's me, I did something that you think, or your dad, you know, then they can talk. I, I try not to force them. So you're basically, you, you, so you've made them aware you're there. They can come to you whenever they feel the need to. Um, mm -hmm. And hopefully they are utilizing that from what it seems, you know, when you have those family get togethers and discussions, they are opening up to you at that time. 
Slowly but surely. Yeah. Okay. So let's touch a little bit on the move from New Jersey to Texas, <laughs> how that came about, why it came about, you know, um, obviously you're still a single mom at this particular point in time, but tell us a little bit about that. Well, I didn't, my intentions wasn't to move to Texas. I wanted to stay in a home that I grew up with and my dad had since 1980. Um, but we weren't, he left the house to me in the will, but we weren't aware of New Jersey's law that if you pass away and you're on Medicaid, Medicaid can ask for the money that they spent on you from age 50 to the age that you pass away. So my dad passed away at age 67. So from age 50 to 67, with his home health aids, his uh, transportation to and from doctors, doctor's appointments, medication, et cetera, um, I was served a few weeks after his passing with uh, paperwork from Medicaid saying that it was almost $400,000. So wow. they tacked it onto his asset, which was the home, because it wasn't in my name. Right. I didn't know that, and I had put you know, my name down as the executor of the home. So I either had to come up with that and all the past due stuff on there when my dad finally went to the hospital um, in order to stay, um, they kept threatening me with sheriff sales. So that put me back into a depression mode because I'm like, where are me and my kids going to stay? Um, I reached out to their dad and their side and, you know, to no, no avail. But so one of my friends who... I knew one person that lived in Texas. He bought me a weekend plane ticket just to come and see how Texas was. I came out here. I loved the area, seeing the horses and the cows on the side of the road. Mm -hmm. I am half country. Um, yeah. I had applied for a job, and I was getting phone calls like crazy due to my resume. And then I applied for an apartment on that Friday evening, and by Saturday, they approved me for it. Um, it was a little cheaper than what I was f finding in New Jersey. So I flew back, told the boys, we're going to go try Texas out. Um, that was in September. So I had to resign from my job and uh, I just packed up. I tried to sell as much big things I can sell out the house to get some traveling money. And I got a storage unit, put the big stuff that I couldn't take, packed up my little Nissan, and the boys and our chihuahua and I drove by myself 27 hours to Texas. Wow. You drove um, by yourself. By my, me and the two boys and my dog. And the only, I didn't stop in the hotel or anything. I took power naps. Every time I had the gas up, I pulled over in the gas station, took like half an hour, 45 minutes power nap. And then I got back on the road. I came to the apartment, dropped off my stuff. Um, Got the kids situated with school and everything. And then me and the youngest, because the oldest is older. So, and my, uh, by then it was like a couple of weeks later or a, maybe a month. I bought a plane ticket, flew back, got the U-Haul, went and got all our big stuff from out of the storage unit. And I drove 27 hours again and did the same thing. Power nap, gassed up, and I came back. And that was a year ago as of October 8th. And you did all of this on your own, 27 mm -hmm. hours of driving to and from New Jersey on, uh, uh, two, different, on two different occasions mm -hmm. with just your boys and no assistance from anyone, family members, friends, or, or 
The first trip, no, I didn't get any help. The second trip, my sisters came and helped me load up the U-Haul, which I appreciate them for. But as far as the trip itself, it was just me and my boys. Um, and we did all that. We got back here maybe about 2 o'clock that morning, had to unload the U-Haul by ourselves into the house. Um, so we lift beds, dressers, washer and dryers. Just um, you and the boys. Just me and the boys in a trolley. Wow. <laughs> washer and dryers. Because I had brought my washer and dryer. Um, right. Mm -hmm. My bedroom set, their two bedroom set. So we were mm -hmm. working from about 2 o'clock in the morning to maybe 5. So the next day I had to call them out of school and I had to call out of work because we were so tired. But we got it done. Absolutely. I can, I can, I can imagine the, the exhaustion after driving 27 hours and I try to teach my overnight. <laughs> yeah. I try to teach the boys that, you know, you, you can't depend on no one for one. I mean, we all need help with people, but you, if you want to get it or you want something done, the first person you got to depend on is yourself. Mm -hmm. So I, and I try to tell them like nothing is for free. You got to, you have to, you know, go after it. So I felt that being in that environment in New Jersey after my dad died, I, I was stuck. Um, I loved my job. I loved my coworkers and everything. Mm -hmm. But I put on my smile and everything at work. But when I go home, I feel like throwing in the towel sometimes. You know, I, I cry and I felt like a failure. Um, so I was like, I just needed a change. I felt like stuck in that place. Mm -hmm. um, and the only reason why I was in New Jersey is because of my dad, my best friend. So he was gone. So I'm like, well, what am I still here for? So I just, you know, I just said, you know what? It's worth a try. You know, if it doesn't work out, then you come back. But right. I, I didn't come here to fail either. So, right. So at this point, You've been in Texas for just over a year, mm -hmm. uh, and COVID has hit. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Affected everybody. <laughs> and I am sure with this being a fresh move for you and a new start, oh, yeah. now COVID has hit. How is that affecting you in this past, in this past year that, that you've been there with all of these uncertainties? How has that affected you? Well, the... When I moved here in October, I moved to one location of Texas and to that apartment. And I loved the apartment, but they had bamboozled me. They told me it was going to be one price. And for the, I was there from October till uh, February. It was not that price. It was like $400 more than that price. Wow. So on top of working here, I was doing Instacart and Uber to make ends meet. Finally, I had to break the lease and move to somewhere cheaper. Um, and then once I moved here, well, for the for a couple of weeks, I had to sleep in my car um, because in between moving from apartment to apartment, I had to sleep in the car. I had somewhere for my kids to go with their, you know, friends or whatever. But I did what I had to do. Um, but then once I moved to this apartment in March, that's when everything shut down with COVID. I lost my job that I had due to COVID. Um, we were stuck in the house, you know, so all I could depend on was myself and God and just keep praying, you know, that something would break because I didn't have any income. I didn't know, you know, how I was going to do unemployment, this and that. So, but as always, God provides. 
Um, so he was able to hook me up with unemployment back from New Jersey, oh, which awesome. is more than I would get from Texas because mm -hmm. I only worked a couple months. So I got that. Um, and then I was praying that to get a deep freezer so I could start stocking up on meats to help us through this COVID. Everywhere I looked, they were sold out, sold out. And then one morning, God woke me up out my sleep and was like, jump on offer up. And it was a brand new one that a couple was selling because they were moving to Mexico or something and for like $70, a brand wow. new one. Okay. So I called, I was texting back and forth and she was like, she said, just through your texts that I know you really need this. So I'm going to hold this for you. So I went and rented a U-Haul little van from U-Haul and drove about an hour, me and the boys wow. picked up that, uh, <laughs> picked up that, um, deep freezer, put it in there, <laughs> brought it back home, carried it up the steps and put it in there. So God blessed us with that. So that way we can store for this, you know, we don't know what was going to happen. Right. Um, so financially I got hit hard. Thank God, you know, um, I'm a personable person. So I talked to the landlord, explained what was going on. So they worked with me with that. So whenever I get unemployment, I would break it in half and give them something. So they know that I'm not just, you know, um, so that helped me through a lot. And of course, you know, put our mask on, go do some Instacart. Can't mm -hmm. cut grass here. But, um, but yeah, I mean, we've been making it through and, you know, with the, the I, I don't know, just praying, praying. But it's been rough. It's been rough. But at the end of the day, I got my health. My kids got their health and my kids are here with me. And, you know, so every day is a blessing. Awesome. That's how I look at it. Yes, and, and absolutely, because it's with the COVID, so many people has been affected, uh, you know, mentally, emotionally, mm -hmm. spiritually. It's, it's been a very, very difficult time, you know, with the uncertainty of not knowing mm -hmm. what's going to be happening with COVID. So where is your spiritual um, well-being at this particular time? Um, well, I, my mom, she stays on me with that. Um, so I, I continuously try to pray as much as I can. Um, I do want to get back into church. So I, I have been trying to see what churches is open, but at the same time trying to stay safe. So for the most part, you know, we just pray as much as we can here at home. Cause like they say, church is where you are, you know? Um, so and my mom, like I said, she always calls me and say, did you read Psalms 81? Did you read Psalms this? So she stay in my ear. And then at the same time, I keep my dad in, in, my, in my spirit and in my head and just go from there. Because they both were, you know, into church and praying and God and stuff. So right. it, didn't, it didn't make me lose my faith. Um, as, but I'm not going to lie. Sometimes I get so down where I start questioning you know, when am I going to be happy? When is things going to be better than what it is? Um, you know, I start questioning that sometimes. And I don't think it's wrong to question. Right. Um, mm -hmm. So that way God can talk to you and answer you. Right. Um, but at the same time, I, I go in the shower, cry it out, and keep pushing. Do you, do you feel, though, that there is some improvement? I mean... Obviously, there's still a struggle, um, and with COVID, that's made it even more difficult. But from when you were going through those 
big difficulties to where you are now. I mean, they're, they're similar challenges, but somewhat different. Um, do you see an improvement and where do you think that you can see yourself within the next year or so? Or do you have, okay, you see yourself that far ahead or are you just taking it one day at a time? At this point, I can only take it one day at a time. I would, I would love to be in my own house and this and that um, within a year, but due to COVID, that probably won't happen because um, right now I'm living paycheck to paycheck, you know, so it's a little struggle. Like I said, still not getting no help with the kids, but they're getting older now and they're eager to get a job to help me. Um, but uh, I have to take day by day right now i can't even look into next week because especially with this COVID thing you might be here today and gone tomorrow so i try to make the best of it each day especially with my kids and tell mm -hmm. them how much i love them and show them how much i love them every day um because there's no guarantee how are the boys handling COVID and the um remote learning um mm -hmm. right now well, because we just moved here, they really didn't meet any friends. So last week was the first time they ever even like went to the basketball court at the apartment complex. And we've been there since March. So, um, but they were enjoying the, the virtual at home school because I'll be at work and they will be home and they can eat whenever they want to eat and this and that. And I see my, my food disappearing and my electric bill going up. So, as of, oh, Jesus. so as of two weeks ago, I had sent them back to school to try it out. But then I started getting emails that some of the teachers and the kids was coming with the COVID. And I said, you know what? I'd rather eat up my food and run up my electric bill then to be there and not be safe. So right. I switched them back to virtual. So this week was their first week back doing home thing. And I have stickers and notes on the refrigerator and the cabinets. If it ain't open, don't open it. You know, <laughs> you can eat this for lunch. You can eat that for <laughs> snack, you know. Yeah. So yeah. they've been following it and been doing good. So. Okay, well that's that's good. You know, it it it, it seems as though you're you're all handling the day-to-day -day uncertainties of COVID, um, the difficulties of life itself, and Trying to. of course <laughs> you being a single mom now with two teenage boys, um, not little boys anymore, but two teenage mm -mm. boys. You know, that's another set of challenges that I'm sure that you'll have to deal with. Uh, as time goes on, but it is good to hear that, you know, you're, you guys seem to be doing, holding your own at least and, yeah. and taking it day by day. It, it hasn't gotten any worse than, um, for the most part, most people are facing right now with the COVID and you're still able to make it. Um, would you say that that's, 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 that's what I'm getting from what, that's true. You know, I'm not where I want to be right now, but I am in a better place and a better position at the moment and taking one day at a time, especially with this COVID thing going on. So, right. well, you know, it's not worse than it was before. Like you said, it's, right. it's gradually right. getting better. Right. So um, we've been talking now for probably about 45 minutes or so, which is... Okay. Um, Awesome. It is good to talk to you again. It's great yes. to hear that you're 
doing okay and that you're not any worse for wear for wear and that that you know as time goes on hopefully you know we'll see some better improvement maybe another time we can have another discussion um uh, as you know this podcast is something that i would like for other young ladies to be able to be aware of to hear and to see that they are also that they're not alone in this and that there are other people that is working through it and to hear some of their successes some of the failures but some of the things that they've done in order to grow through it so thank you for being here thank you for being my guest and i look forward to talking to you again sometime yes anytime okay well this is when until next time See you there.